Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. We call him Baffled Bill. Baffled Bill learned stuff the hard way. Loves the great outdoors, always wanted an RV. Kids were gonna love it, wife was gonna love it. He couldn't fail. Bought that RV, gathered the family, and took them camping. Oops, turns out, uh, not everyone loves the great outdoors. Never saw it coming. Bill turns his face to the sky. My kingdom for a mulligan. But no one answers. See, there's only one RV dealer that lets you change your mind after the ink is dry and the money changed hands. And that's Rick Showers at Noble RV. Right, Rick? That's right, Bob. Wait, is that true? You actually buy back one of your used RVs if the customer changes their mind? You got it, Bob. Seriously? For any reason? Right again, Bob. Poor baffled Bill. Well, at least you can learn from his mistake. And that's Noble. NobleRV.ca. Stephen, today we're heading off in a in a different direction almost. This is our first interview podcast episode. Yeah, and I am so excited. Today we have a real empire builder on our show. With us today is we have Rick Showers. He's an owner of a small business that applied one of the lessons from the Empire Builders podcast to his business. He's just exploded from that. He's having record months months after month. And the reason why I'm excited about this is so often people listening to our podcast will say, well, that worked for Wrigley's and I'm not Wrigley's or, you know, Wrigley's sell candy and I sell RVs or that was the 1920s. How about today? Or that was New York and I'm in a small town outside of, of Edmonton. All these reasons why it wouldn't work. Well, here's Rick to share his story a small RV dealer that's outside of Edmonton that applied the lessons of Wrigley to his business in the spring of 2020. Wait, in the spring of 2020, what happened in the spring of 2020? Yeah, there was this little, um, let me think, what is it? Uh, it had a number next to, oh, right, COVID. <laughs> the pandemic happened. So right at the start of it. Right at the start of the pandemic, we're taking our story back to that moment. And, and, and here's the thing, from that moment, he's doubled his business. So for full disclosure, Rick is a client of ours. And the ad that you heard at the beginning of this podcast was written by one of our partners, Mick Torbay. And, and it has run on several radio stations in, uh, in Rick's market. If you've not heard the Wrigley podcast, I suggest you go back to it and listen to it now before listening to this interview. So I just want to set the stage. It's the beginning of the pandemic. Frankly, the world is going to shit. Everything is closed. People are panicking. And Rick sells a luxury item. In the vast majority of the times when a recession or panic happens, the first thing that goes, the first thing that goes in the shitter is luxury items. They're the first thing that get nailed, right? So at the time, no one knew RV sales would benefit. Like that was a surprise. We've got to remember that was a surprise. So here's all this pandemic stuff going on. Rick's shop is closed. Everything's closed. Nothing's, you know, there's worry about, about sales. And we come along and suggest to Rick, hey, here's what we think you should do. You should increase your marketing budget, which he did. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, that took guts. 
Most people would have kicked me out of their office. And we know advertising was getting cut right, left, and center because we saw it with our media partners. Well, thanks, Stephen. Rick, thank you for being on our podcast. More than welcome. Glad to be here. And I, I know this is this is an audio podcast, but as we're recording this on a Zoom meeting, um, you're in the woods. Um, <laughs> you, you look like you're in a way better place than either Stephen or I, enjoying yourself, enjoying some nice weather up in Canada. How long have you been in this business? Oh, heavens. Uh, I started in sales in this business, I think, back in 2004. So 16 years, 17 years, somewhat like that. So you weren't just starting out in 2020? <laughs> oh, heavens no. We were in our uh, sixth year in business on our own in 2020. If I'm not mistaken, I mean, you, you've seen some pretty big ups and downs just in the economy. In, in, in our area, it's very, uh, the city that we're in, in, in mid-Alberta, uh, is typically oil patch country. There's a lot of oil field uh, manufacturing that goes on here. And of course that uh, had taken a big hit in around 2015, 2016. So there was tended to be a steady decline in discretionary dollars being spent in our market. And so that's even before we start talking about a pandemic. Yeah, except for one, like, I mean, we sell used products, so we don't sell brand new RVs. We sell used ones, which we've always felt there's always a market for something used in good condition. How did you first meet Stephen and your uh, Wizard of Ads team that put this plan together for you? I had been following Roy Williams for, for heavens, for many, many years through the Monday morning memo and so on, and had previously gone down and had... Uh, Jake and Rex do one of those white videos for me when I was in sales. So I could use that to market myself as a, a sales agent, you know, so that worked well. I'd been down to the Academy and I think it was towards the end of 2019, I decided, okay, we need a shift in our business. I, I'm passionate about the science behind the wizard of ads philosophy, as well as the fruit that it produces in business owners lives. And I knew that we'd kind of hit a certain mark and I needed help pushing over that. And I knew that it had a lot more than writing catchy radio ads. I knew there was a lot more depth to it. So the one that pushed me over the edge actually was uh, Mick Torbay's video on Real Matters. I saw that and I was like, you know what? That's it. So I reached out to Mick initially. Um, we had a quick chat and uh, then he suggested a partner of his, Stephen Sample. And and I think we started with the Boom Your Business thing and, and you gentlemen came out in the one of the coldest Februarys, I think, <laughs> in Alberta in years to our little shop and interviewed in person and so on. And uh, that's how we got the ball rolling. At what stage of all this were you in when people started to realize that this pandemic was a real thing and it was really going to start affecting people and, and business especially? We had already made a commitment financially to the Empire Builders by that point. We'd had our media buyer arranged a schedule on one of the FM stations up here that we committed to and so that's about the depth that we were in we literally had ads written the media purchased and we're about to start yeah three three ads were approved and recorded yeah we were ready to go and then it became a real serious thing mid-march i remember it was my birthday is in mid-march and <laughs> never forget that oh yeah and and we had you know different clients reacted different ways uh, i had some that were like yeah let's double down and i had some that were just like their hair was lit on fire and ran for the hills i i think you know depending on the the industry and and the depth of knowledge like i i was at that time a very very new client and hadn't seen any kind of results from anything because we hadn't even really been on the air yet i think actually what ended up happening 
was I was getting frustrated because I thought we should be on the air. I think originally our target that we talked about was March 1st. And then for one reason or another, it just didn't come together. And now it's mid-March. Now this whole thing's happening. And I thought, okay, well, whatever, you know, I've already made a commitment. I'm not going back on my word. We're doing this regardless. And then it turned out that ended up pushing through and persevering. We got a smoking deal in those two weeks between the 15th of March and the 1st of April. And we ended up going on the 1st of April on air, but now with two stations. So it worked out really, really, I was laughing with my wife about it. I'm like, cheapers. That, that one month of me being a little bit pushy paid off huge for us. And, and, but the thing I want to stress is while Rick said he committed money he was going to spend, we came back to him and said, hey, dude, let's spend more. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, it, it, you know, frankly, it didn't turn out to be that much more in our world. Uh, but it was more of a spend and probably like a, a lot of your clients that go on the air for the first time, of course, you want to hear your ad on the radio. So I was listening to the stations we were on and it didn't seem to me because I didn't have anything to compare it to. I'm not a big radio listener. It didn't seem to me at the time that our ads were on any more than they ought to have been. I did notice, and we, Stephen and I had talked about that, that our competitors totally fled from the marketplace. So we were able to benefit being the only RV dealer on the air in, on those markets, and certainly with a, a relevant entertaining message as well. So, so what ended up happening was, you know, fast forward it to a year later, and now when I turn the radio on and listen to the ad breaks, which is really all I listen to, there's so many different advertisers from different categories and everything. And I, I was chatting with Stephen a while back and said, boy, I didn't realize how much, you know, share of voice we were grabbing at that time because I'm hearing advertisers like I've been listening for a year. I, I'm hearing new advertisers on there that weren't even around. So understanding now, I understand just how few people were actually advertising during that uh, initial few. Well, like, Probably up here, it took about six or seven months. Which means he was like, you were the only thing people were hearing. Yeah. So so, so from the Wizard of Ads point of view and, and salience and the chickening out period and seed time and harvest, what ended up happening was all of the results accelerated massively. And as soon as people realized we still can go out camping, we were just inundated with people and phone calls and emails and so on. It's interesting that acceleration just based on share of voice especially when you consider that not only did your competitors chicken out and, and quit advertising, but so many other businesses did that it's, it's not even so much that, that you're, you're running uh, more ads comparatively to your, your competitors, but there's just less clutter, mm -hmm. right? There's just fewer ads on. And so uh, yours are going to stand out. It's going to make the impact of them. It was a perfect storm. It really was because it just, for us, and I, I, I know that it affected a lot of businesses negatively, and I don't want to gloat about the industry that we're in, certainly, but it, it worked out very, very well for us. It was, uh, it was one of those decisions when, when we had that meeting mid-March with all of the Empire Builders on the team, and they said, you know what, I think you should be stretching a little bit here. I don't recall if I was initially reluctant. I don't think I was because I do understand the portfolio that these men carry and I understand the success stories and they've been very open about sharing some failure stories too. But I had a lot of, I had a lot of trust in the wisdom and the, uh, and their confidence actually rubbed off on me a bit, even though we were heading into uncharted water and 
when it comes to stuff like that, Dave, I, I, I'm kind of like just in for a penny, in for the pound. Just damn the torpedoes and let's go for it and let the chips fall where they may. Jump and the net will appear, right? Yep. <laughs> That's what I love about you, Rick. <laughs> in, in your category, are you, I don't, I don't want to say close, but um, in, in some business categories, uh, you know, like all the air conditioner guys in town know each other and, and, and chat. Are you friends with your competitors? We rub shoulders from time to time. I don't really, I've never really liked industry events. So I kind of stay away from that stuff and the boys club and all that. Uh, I have noticed in about the last two weeks, I walked in, actually the other day, I walked into a competitor's store and it's not the first time I've been there. And I just walked in to buy a random part that we needed to get an RV ready. And they, you know, I got helped like I usually do. And then all of a sudden the salespeople approached me because they, I've, I've walked past them. I can't tell you how many times over the last seven years. And now they get up out of their desk and come over and say hi and see how things are going. Because in our category, one of the big challenges a lot of dealers are having is that they cannot physically get inventory. doesn't matter how much money they want to throw at a manufacturer, they can't physically get inventory, whereas the business we're in is in consigning and reselling used RVs. And our campaigns are largely around, bring your RV to us, we'll sell it for you, you'll get the money you want, and so on and so forth. So so we have a never-ending supply of these things, apparently, because they just keep showing up day after day after day. So I've got plenty of inventory. And if you're a commissioned salesperson looking out the window saying, there's 23 pieces I have to sell on my six-acre lot, I've got 23 units to sell, where normally this time of year, I'd have 350. So I can understand. So now we're starting to to make some noise and uh, and get a little bit more attention. Are, are they approaching you because they're hungry and they're getting up out of their desk to, because you're a stranger walking onto the ladder or is it because they know who you are? Oh, they know who I am. They know who you yeah. are. They understand who I am. And I, you know, Stephen had kind of told me about this, you know, you're going to have a little bit more of a profile and, and, you know, our TikTok thing is taken off and we've got a wonderful girl doing our digital stuff that took us to a whole different level. So all of that um, notoriety in the category is starting to pay off. And what we're really hoping for is that uh, it starts to attract some really, really good people to our company. Just, just for background, Rick's being modest. He's had some videos recently that have gone through a million views. That's, that's uh uh, gosh, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it adds up. Well, no, I had one. I had one at 1.5, and I've got another one at I think it's 700 and some, and another one at 300 and some. Oddly enough, you'd think on a on a platform like TikTok, it would just be you know crazy weird stuff, but it's not. It's me actually standing there talking about how not to use your RV fridge or how to use it properly and stuff like that. And people seem to love that shit. Any of those instructional type things, they're the ones that seem to get a little bit more action than the ones that are a little bit goofy. Just being informative and entertaining while you're doing it. Yeah. Well, so so the reason I was asking about your competitors i'm curious between competitors family other business owners in town what kind of feedback did you get when all of a sudden people are hearing your ad all over the place well we we deliberately don't ask people how they heard about us when they contact us but inevitably they just do they, they want to tell you, they want to share with you. And we're always, you know, grateful to hear their story and, and it, you know, entertained them. It, it impacted them. Some people, of course, you're always going to get the ones that that's a stupid ad. Uh, I, I recently heard from, from, I think it was our, our media buyer that when he was talking with the radio station, we did a message about my, me missing my granddaughter who's from Australia. We did a message about that for our December video, our, our commercial rather. And that's the one they got all the complaints about. It's like, oh, 
So we'll probably do another one this December. I guess where, where I was going there, though, is did you get pushback from people thinking, oh, my God, Rick is just crazy running all these ads right now? Uh, no, I, I, I think that our staff, we, we spent some time internally reviewing the ads, reviewing the concept, reviewing the relational buyer and, and who we're trying to attract to our customer base with our staff. So they kind of had an understanding. I don't think my company doesn't have a, a committee very often. So we're doing this. This is what we're doing. Don't worry about what it costs. It's fine. We're good. Pushback from competitors. I don't know. I've walked into competitors' places where our ad or the radio station's playing. And while I'm talking to the owner of the boat store, my ad comes on and he just kind of looks at me, right? So, so jumping into that space, it did have an impact because a lot more people mentioned it. I was at the gas station re- recently and uh, walked in with a, a shirt on and everything, a logoed shirt. And the attendant and I were just chatting about something and, oh, I had a problem with my points card. They had my name spelt wrong on the points card. He says, oh, I'll fix that. So he's typing it. And he says, what's your first name? I said, Rick. I said, oh, I should have known. Heard it on the radio. Sorry. Right. So he knew who I was based on that. So that's kind of cool. Really? Once once you started pushing through on this, how quickly did results start coming in? I mean, because a lot of other advertisers are off the air. Your competitors are off the air. People finally starting to figure out, oh, we can go out camping. Well, one thing, Dave, that that Stephen and the team recommended was a tracking method. Uh, like in our advertising on the radio, we only tell the web address. We don't say our address, our phone number. All we tell is our our you know noblerv.ca. So one of the tracking methods, of course, is watching for online traffic increasing. Now, we went on the air starting beginning of April, and I would have to say that by the third week, that fast, it started to move up. I could be incorrect. Stephen would know exactly that number, but it wasn't long. And that's what I mean. We, we were so very blessed and fortunate in that perfect storm that we were the only person in our category talking about something. And as soon as people understood that they could at least go out camping, the general public, I'm the only one on those two stations that anybody knows anything about. So they all came out of the woodwork. And I think the first messages, if I wasn't mistaken, I think the first three messages for the first three months was all about selling your RV. And that part of it, people coming to us, bringing their product to us rapidly increased uh, right from the beginning. Because again, with all the uncertainty going on, people like I've got this depreciating asset sitting in my driveway Let's get out of it. Let's just turn it into money. We don't know when the world's going to end. And, and that unfortunately happens every time there is a general panic, right? What's really cool is, is you, you, uh, you end up in a position where you're doing well with both sides. You're helping both sides solve their problem. And that's good for you in, in both directions, right? You're helping me if you can buy and that gives you inventory and you're helping somebody else if, if uh, they want if, if they want to buy. We're serving the guy who's selling it and needs to get out of it uh, or family that needs to get out of their product for whatever reason. And then we also offer that product to sale for somebody else. All the while not having to invest a whole lot of money in our own inventory. Naturally, we take trade-ins and stuff like that. But the idea of the model, I think, was was what attracted Stephen and the team to us as well as us being attracted to them. One of the messaging strategies that Rick very quickly signed off on was, as we know, one of the things is the less you can say, you know, the more powerful it is, especially in a, in a short ad. And most people would go buy, sell, consign. Well, what we knew was, what I know is if we sit there and say, we'll sell your RV, 
Guess what all the buyers of RV know? RVs know. We got RVs for sale. Now I understand it totally. I got it. But what I understand totally now is it's almost insulting to an intelligent person to tell them you can consign or, or we don't even use the word consign in our ads. That's the brilliant part of it. Because our competitors now that are on the air, they say consign it. What we say is we'll sell it for you. And that's more of a real statement that, that would resonate with someone because a lot of people don't understand what consign even means. But that's the beauty of it is we don't need to overstate the obvious. And why waste? What did Mick say to me one time? Why waste? You only got so many characters you can put in a 60 second ad. Why waste ad space on that? There's no point. They can draw the conclusion and it makes them feel smart. Rick, what have you learned through all this? I was already mentally committed several months beforehand. Actually, the seed had been planted, as I mentioned, a number of years on over the years. Honestly, I wish I would have done a lot sooner. However, it worked out well for us. What I learned primarily was that if you want to grow something, there's got to be some life. Living things grow. So if we want to call it fertilizer, you got to pour the fertilizer on when it doesn't seem like it's the right time to do it. And you just got to tend the thing. The biggest thing I learned was all of our internal systems. Once we started getting busy the way we were getting busy and attracting the people we're attracting, all the warts showed up. And that's what we had to deal with was a lot of, oh, geez, we got to change this process. We got to do this and we got to do that. So it was a very maturing process for us all the way through. But I'd do it again. Being busy tends to really uh, draw attention to the, the little hiccups in the systems, don't it? Oh, heavens. Yeah. What, what, so what I heard Rick say is that we threw a lot of shit on his system. Well, well, what it did, here, here's the thing is that, you know, when you're a smaller owner operated thing where you, you know, you can touch every employee every day and, and talk to them every day and, and spend time with them every day. What ends up happening is that you're there to solve problems. So as problems come up, you can just make decisions and solve them as they go. As we started to get busier and add more reach with what we're doing and, and, and some more depth, what we came to realize very quickly is that we needed to systematize a lot of what we're doing and eliminate I hate to say it this way, but eliminate as much communication between the management and the employees if we can eliminate it via process. In other words, I don't have to tell you how to do the paperwork. I don't have to tell you how to say the words because that's exactly the way that you're trained. And the other day, my wife and I were talking and I realized, you know what, this time last year, there's 10 people working in our company right now that weren't with us this time last year. And we're a company of 16 people. So it's like, oh my goodness. And it wasn't that we got rid of 10 people to bring 10 new people in. It's that we didn't have, those 10 people are here to support what's going on now. So that's where all of this started to click was, my goodness, I can't run around helping everybody with every little thing. I've got to be able to systematize a lot of it, if I can say it that way. What advice would you give somebody who's just setting out to start their own empire? Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Brought to you by the Least Full of Shit Marketers Association of America. Yes, that's a low bar, but we clear it mightily. We're also the largest pay per performance branding group in North America, and that part's for reals. If you're looking for advertising advice geared towards local owner operated companies, this is your podcast. And now you can pick the brains of these advertising geniuses over lunch without having to pay for lunch or even leave your office. We're talking 90 minutes of straight answers to all your burning questions about lead generation, customer acquisition, mass media branding, how to get off the paper crack treadmill, anything you want. And the only coin required is candor. 
because we can't give no bullshit advice without basing it off no BS data on your company, competitive landscape, operations, and all that jazz. We send you a pre-Zoom questionnaire. You fill it out candidly, and boom, Bob's your uncle, you're in like Flynn, and we'll be frank as fuck in giving you the straight scoop on all the advertising and business growth questions you always wanted to know, but were too afraid to ask. You'll also get our no pitching and no bitching guarantee. No pitching means we won't pitch you or try to sell you in any way. If you want more after 90 minutes, you'll have to ask. And no bitching means if you don't think the meeting was worth your 90 minutes, we'll send you 100 bucks. Consider it us picking up the tab for lunch and putting our money where our mouth is. Sound like a not-so-full-of-shit offer? Well, that is what we're known for. Take us up on it at empirebuildersprogram.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. What advice would you give somebody who's just setting out to start their own empire? Well, pick up the phone or email Stephen or the Empire Builders, certainly one of the group, ideally, what they bring to the table is a lot of varied backgrounds, varied experiences. As I mentioned, they, they've they got the, the success stories and the failure stories, but it's not a matter of writing a check for advertising, for heaven's sakes. It's a lot deeper than that. It's about having a, a business model, I guess, that they embrace and buy into, you embrace and buy into some of the ideas and if you trust the process and you trust the science and you trust the system, it'll work, but you have to stay consistent with it. If you're not consistent with it, it's not going to work. And that would be probably my biggest advice. If you want to grow all the tools, all the technology is there within this organization and they're there to help you. The thing I love about it, Dave, is they don't get a pricing a raise unless I get a raise. So we're partnered in this together as a team or as a family. I like to think of it all the time. And we're in this for the common good. Let's go and take over the marketplace. I love it. I love it. Anything else you'd like to share with us? Steven? You know, there's, there's, there's only two things I'm going to, I'm going to ask. And, and one, it's, it's really interesting when, again, we go back to the Wrigley story and, you know, there was two elements to the Wrigley story. One being what they did in the 20s and the second being what they did in World War II when shelves were empty and they continued to advertise. And one of the things that's remarkable in Rick's market is his competitors have stopped advertising because they got nothing on the shelves. Well, Rick being the empire builder he is, guess what we've now done? We've increased our advertising because what we know is six, eight, 10 months from now, they're going to start getting inventory and they're going to start advertising. Mm -hmm. Well, by that mm -hmm. time, guess what? We'll have been out there for longer with even a larger audience and even a larger megaphone owning that market. By the time they get inventory and stick their heads up, Rick's won. Yeah. If I had anything to add, it would simply be this. Our company's on a path where our competitors, due to the lack of inventory, have not gone on the air. And the beauty of the messaging and the core messaging that we use, it's not necessarily all about come see the latest, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's we're, we're building a story. We're building a relationship between our listeners and our company and, and excluding a number of people like we totally exclude the guy that wants to come in and negotiate and everything. He doesn't do well with us. It just it's not who we are. So what ends up happening is we don't have to go on the air talking about a great big sale or we're going to be giving this away and giving that away if you come and buy from us today or anything like that. What we're doing and what we continue to do 
is reach out with relevant information with a relevant story uh, into the marketplace and build an audience and a loyal following whether we had inventory or not like if something happened tomorrow when we don't have inventory we're still going to continue doing it because we're committed so we added a third station now with that in mind at some point this may normalize the the unusual growth that the rv industry has seen may normalize again but i know in my heart of hearts that that's why websites like kijiji and craigslist exist is because people will always buy a used anything and we, because we sell used we're positioned perfectly to take advantage of that going forward in the future and if everybody says you know what we're tired of this whole out, out in this park right now we're my wife is of course shopping for a bigger lot and a bigger trailer and everything else but but there's five or six people that have said the management comes to me and says you know what they're done with camping they're they're moving on you they'll sell you their, their camper their site their everything if you want it so there are that happens that you know life and death happens things happen in people's lives and they always need someone to help them get out of their product and that's what we're here to do for them. so here's the only thing i want to add i want you to realize when we're reading about rick and his national empire that you heard it here first and rick when you're that billionaire business owner flying around in your private jet, you'll still take my call, right? <laughs> this has been a treat. Thank you, Rick Showers, for spending the time with us and uh, telling us your story, especially as we can relate it to some of the topics that we've already covered on Empire Builders. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review at Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to schedule your own 90-minute Empire Building session, you can do it at empirebuildingprogram.com. Empire Building.